calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. It's that time again. It's summer. And here in Portland, that means it's fucking hot. And we are in a room that has a lot of extra insulation and a lot of foam on the walls. And that means we're going to get steamy. And so, I'm fat. And, we're, <laughs> and I think a lot of us are heavier than we'd like to be right now. And so you're going to hear a little bit of background noise. It sounds like this. If you didn't hear that, that means we did something right. <laughs> You're welcome. It's the AC you all bought us, and we love you for it. Thank you so much. Uh, it's supposedly the quietest AC on the market, and I don't know how much I believe that, but hey, it's certainly quieter than the one I have everywhere else in my house. Was an air conditioner like a low-key Patreon bonus? <laughs> I'm going to slip it in there somewhere. Sick. But thank you so much for being patient about this, and uh, hopefully this will stop sometime in the next four to eight episodes. <laughs> Welcome back to EXPN. Huh. Something wrong, Dirk? You get the feeling it's been a really long time since we've been here? No, Dirk. What meager hours I rest from the clock's cruel grasp is a thimble of salt to a man entombed in an ocean of incredibly stupid slugs. Yeah, yeah, I'm a slug ocean. But I don't know. It feels like I haven't been here in months. You haven't. You were in the hospital for ages. Consarnate rust or not, you know what I mean. Like a flock of time spaniels upchucked their chrono kibble. And then I found a fistful of Fortnites in the chunks. What in the name of all the lords is your point? I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Well, you know what they say. If you don't have anything smart to say, please stop talking to me. Huh, that's a new one. Yep, just made it up. In other news, the dance-off is fully underway. Next up is Demo Abzu versus Spark Spellpuncher. With six years of belly dancing experience and Abzu of Steel... <clears throat> the Gutter Snipes Abjuration Wizard is a shoe-in for the Groove Crown. That is unless Spark's old soft shoe can tap the keg of the audience's juicy loving hearts. After a humiliating attempt at rock ballet from Metal and Mana's own Zan Meathead, sparing Waffle the Warforge needed only to find the stage to give the Snipes their first win of the night. And yet he managed to bring in so much more than just funk with his newly installed one-man band system. That mass of musical machinery surely busked a nut in all of our collective faces. Dirk, you get one bust-a-nut joke per broadcast. Just one. But the last one was so subtle. Rust a nut was in no way subtle. Fine. He waffle stomped the competition. Graphic. In any case, count on some sparks to fly in this wizard on wizard waltz off. And you can count on more hot stepping and cool crumping on this new season of Groovement Action.
the beheaded aardvark is a mess. After Wuxia spinning in his dress and devastating the room with his considerable size, and all of you very much overdoing it on Jet Brody's hardcore action juice, <laughs> that's when Rain walks in. Iwos is probably just trying to desperately cast Mend on everything Wuxia's breaking <laughs> as it happens. I don't see why fighting in one of these is a problem. I feel breezy as a summer's day. <laughs> Remind me not to recommend restaurants and bars I like to you anymore. You should have known. <laughs> um, why don't you all get tidied up and we can have a quick chat. Is there any, uh, like water nearby? Just like a cup of water or something? There is a keg of water sitting Fantastic. on top of a large stool. Fantastic. I'm going to use my shape water cantrip and just wash myself off dress and all. Just <laughs> You manage to somehow break the actual device itself since it's a sealed keg with water in it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, uh, after a minor breakage, you're able to clean yourself off and wet the bar considerably more than it already was. Thankfully, Gaspar started a tab before this. (laughs) All the damages are just going. It's all on his card. On the house. Room four. (laughs) Wuxia's mastered the art of making himself seem cleaner by comparison by making everything around him more messy. Thank you. And ruining his new dress with water. Right. Making it it better. Is it wool? (laughs) Chiffon? It's it's on Wuxia, therefore it's ruined gradually. (laughs) I'm pretty sure wool's okay in the water. It's kind of like uh, known to be a seafaring. Yeah, wool is good. What's the, what's the, what, I'm I'm a straight man. What's the one that doesn't? (laughs) Suede? (laughs) Suede? Is it cashmere that you can't get wet? Cashmere you definitely don't want to Oh, yeah, there we go. It's a cashmere dress. I want a sweet suede dress. What the fuck? You must learn the difference between velvet and velveteen. (laughs) (laughs) It's not about the inconvenience of the dress, Wusha. It's because I didn't have my armor. (laughs) If anything, I felt very confident. I just, my AC was so low. Can I have both? An armored dress? Yeah, but it won't have any pockets. They never do. That's inconvenient. All right. Well, if you figure out what to get one, tell me. While they're talking, I'll be like, so Rain, how have you been? <laughs> like, just knowing that. Fine. I wasn't expecting you all to be here already. I think there was some delays in mind, but I mean, if it's already here, then why not? Uh, once we write the chairs and tables and give Wusha seven bar towels, <laughs> uh, I guess we'll pull up a chair and Jet Brody has been watching from behind the bar this entire time, making not a single sound. We can't tell he's watching because he's a cloud, but we know. (laughs) (laughs) A single tear drops out from the bar. He's either really excited or he hates us. (laughs) I mean, he's an extreme sports vapor. You can guarantee he's excited about anybody making a mess. When he gets angry, does he start thundering? I can't wait to find out. Don't compromise me. I might might have had that idea already that wasn't yours. (laughs) I didn't. Thank you, Michael. That's a really good fucking idea. (laughs) Well, we're about to find out (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Well, I'll test these waters by ordering one more extreme juice for rain. (laughs) I do want everybody to come up with a different word for the juice every time. Please and thank you. (laughs) She takes a sip and then raises the glass to Jet. Action sauce? Action sauce. (laughs) To Jet? It's a jet, indeed. Oh, you did jet. Finest cloud I've ever met. So, on to business, I suppose. You should know that the commissioner and I had somewhat of an ulterior motive in reaching out to Wuxia specifically. Me? She looks at you with a concerned face and then nods. I do something wrong. Perhaps you would like to fill in the 
rest of the team what you've been doing on the ring for money. Right. <clears throat> oh, you, you don't have to tell us about that. I, I can imagine. <laughs> you probably can't. Well, like I said when I first met you, life up there on the rings, not easy. Art every time. So, uh, some sad fools like us gotta reach out and do some things we wouldn't usually like to do. They spent me more time than I might like on a flensing rig, cutting up those great leviathans, taking chunks from them and handing them off to folks to peddle them in places I ain't want to go. Is that legal? Very much not. No. It's something they can get away with because they do these things outside of the border of what we consider zenithal territory. But it happens. International ether? Effectively, yes. It's grim work. It's dirty work. And it attracts folks who ain't, uh, stand up most of the time, if you know what I mean. Indeed. One such, Alphonse Theodophilus Harcourt IV, is the captain of the Astra Fortis, a salvage vessel. At least that's what they call themselves on paper. But we suspect that he's been illegally harvesting leviathans. You have to understand that if you find a leviathan that's been damaged in some way, you are allowed to harvest from it technically. But it is discouraged and is largely seen as not unlike harvesting from a god. So do they kill these leviathans? We hope not. You have to understand that one of the reasons why we reached out to Wusha was in the hopes of getting closer to one of these captains. And it seems that your companion here has gotten close to Alphonse. And as such, he has reached out to us to do some research. Originally, we wanted to look into Leviathan hunting and hoping that maybe he could give us some information on that. But he's been somewhat tight-lipped. Until now. He now wants somebody who is not Zenithal Guard. He doesn't want any kind of uh, legal ramification. He has obviously bought it for immunity. But he wants some adventurers... Wusha specifically, to join them on their next trip so that we can see something. I was hoping I ain't never need to go back to one of those, but here we are. Uh, if it makes you feel better, by comparison, your uh, little apartment's lovely. <laughs> A very curious proposal. Uh, they harvest them without necessarily killing them, and you're not sure if they're killing them. No, you, I believe I've misspoke. Sometimes you'll find them dead, and if they are dead, you can harvest them. If they are not dead, you're not supposed to kill them. In fact, killing them would, as I said, be not unlike killing a god. Right. We are hoping that nobody is killing them, but we suspect that might be the case. Do you fear that maybe they're just carving chunks off of them and letting them live? That's possible. How cruel. We have no idea. The fact is that they, being ethanauts, are capable of going wherever they choose. We, on the other hand, are not so privileged. Albus is going to look Hal in the eyes and say, I promised you some time ago we'd eventually be dealing with Leviathans. I guess I was right. Yes, but I don't think we knew it was illegal to fight them. In general, if you're fighting an adult Leviathan, the odds of you surviving are practically non-existent. But it's not uncommon for youths to show dead. Smaller, less developed Leviathans. Their breeding habits are not exactly known to us. I don't even suspect they are sexual beings, but there are smaller ones. If anything, we would discourage killing them even more so. But perhaps that's just my own personal morality. I'm getting ahead of myself. 
you were unlucky and found yourself on the wrong rig, sometimes folks would try to slip a little extra in their pockets, make off with whatever part they could and try to bargain it for any quin they can. So it sounds like our job, the wuxia is our peg in the door, if you will, to get close to this captain and we're to monitor him and see if he's doing th- something illegal. The captain himself is the one who reached out to us. Once he realized that Wuxia had been working for us this entire time, I think he saw it as an opportunity to come clean and potentially get out of the business. That's at least what we're hoping. We have no idea long term. For all we know, he's showing us something else entirely. Is this, um, this is what they call kit fishing? Is that what we're doing? No. No, not at all. No. <laughs> it's important to note that Captain Alphonse is not the only person on his ship. And being that he is on a salvage ship, which is not that different from a pirate ship, it's not uncommon for them to, let's say, operate more democratically, meaning leaders can be deposed unexpectedly and with great force. So it's entirely likely that the rest of his crew does not realize he's reporting to us, which is why we're going to be providing you with disguises. Ah. And this is an official quest and not something else secretive like before. This is not an official quest. In fact, it is very important in this case that you not report any of this to anybody other than ourselves. You have to understand that your ability to go out to error explicitly requires that you be on error. The international waters, especially going out and dealing with these creatures, that is interplanar law and can result in some very serious problems for all of us. Should we leave our bracelets behind to not reveal what we are? It would be wise. But, unfortunately, we don't have that option. You can attach your bracelets some other way, but we do need to maintain visual feed just in case something happens to you. But the real tricky part is that Gaspar cannot hide the nature of his condition, which makes disguise nearly impossible. So instead, we are going to be providing him with a stealth ship to follow from a distance. This serves two purposes. One, it gives us an outside view, and two, it gives you some extra firepower in case something goes wrong. Hmm. Or an escape. Exactly. Well, no, not really. This is very much a single-person vessel. Or an escape for one of us. For Gaspar, more than likely. And you are under strict instruction that if things do turn bad enough and you do not think you can help them, do get out and give us the information that you can. I can do that. Will there be any complications, me leaving, while on bail? As long as nobody knows, no. I dare say going into international ether might make it even safer for you. I don't think they'll take kindly to me leaving... But if nobody finds out, there's no harm. Don't worry, Gaspar. No matter what, in the end, we'll get you off. Plus, even if they do, I mean, you've all seen the guard, right? She's referring to a scry called the guard, which is specifically a cops-like adventure which follows people who have tried to skip bail in Zenith. It's not tasteful material at all. Mm. Well, for all they know, you're just really good at hiding in the Bowery. Indeed. I'll leave one of my body doubles behind. <laughs> uh, this is a small tangent, but I did have an idea um, regarding Gaspar's condition. It came to me recently, and I thought, we don't see you very often, so I might as well get it out now. I am by no means a legal mind, and uh, while I've read the rule books, I don't know the minutiae of the court system here at Zenith. But is it true that if a league member is on a team that is sponsored, they are expected to become as powerful as they can. It's presumed as much, yes. 
Could a defense in Gaspar's behalf be that whatever kind of patron he serves requires certain things from him? And that's part of his leveling, growing? That is definitely worth considering. Though, since we are dealing with the Fae, we are not beholden to the Zenithal court. That's the problem we're dealing with. Is Right now, there's no clear terms on whose jurisdiction this falls under. And the Fae, even if we do manage to get Gaspar off in any kind of legal sense, the Fae might come for him anyway. That's very fair. I just thought, you know, as an extra defense to him as a League member, since they did hire us for a quest. Just a thought. I shall inform Thaddeus and company. Ah, Mr. Yachts. Yes. I liked them. Him? They. Them? I believe they're one entity, but plural. Not plural in the sense of, you get it. (laughs) Two heads. Yes, which are supposedly better than one. Debatable. Well, Wuja, how much can you teach us about sailing? In, I look at rain, how much time do we have? Technically, you could probably do it in the next three days. I believe they do a daily trip. I would be honored. Finally, the thing I excel at. You'll never get to do it, Wusha, they say back and forth to me when I try out for things. <laughs> oh, you'll never get to go on a boat. Well, I get to stick it to them and never tell them. <laughs> Indeed. I have a little experience with knots. Are you familiar with runic antigravitation, or do you specialize in sun sailing? Yes. Oh, no. Are you mostly just on the water? What's wrong with water? Oh, and that's fine. It's just a little different. I'm sure it's, it's, it's mostly the same. Uh, I'm sure it'll make sense somehow. Grab the rope and pull it, right? Sure. All right. I love the idea of Wusha giving us a boat lesson and being like, now this is the uh, the boat arm that reaches for the heavens. <laughs> uh, as our official bookkeeper, I have to ask, since this isn't a battle axis quest, what is the Quinn scenario? It's hard to say. More than likely, Harcourt won't pay you out of pocket. If he doesn't, I'm sure we can find some kind of compensation for your work. And since this is an unofficial quest, should we avoid using our glory? Very much so. You have to understand that while you will be wearing your bracelets and you will be generating a scry signal, we will be intercepting that signal at the base. So hopefully that means that no unwanted eyes will see it. Well, we have ten in the bank if we need to get anything before then, because it seems we won't be able to touch it once we're out. One small question. If we're going out on a voyage with pirates and we find any treasure, how does that impact what we're allowed to use in quests if we haven't acquired it on a real quest? The rules remain consistent. If you didn't get it on a quest, you can't use it. You have to understand that as a member of the Adventurer's Guild, you're expected to report any quest you go on, which is one of the reasons why this could potentially be more of a threat to you than it is to us. We are expected, to one degree or another, to do some amount of underhanded dealings, being that we are the brass in a particularly large and very powerful environment. But you, you have consequences for your actions. To be fair, they're also not really pirates. Uh, I should know. Um, I, I... I've never been a pirate, and I've served on one of their ships before, and I maintain that I'm still not a pirate. So if they were pirates, that would mean I was a pirate, and I've never been a pirate. I mean, if anything, they're just illegal fishermen. Yes, illegal whaling. Poachers, technically. Though, yeah, no, poaching would be right. Don't try to poach the Leviathan, though. It don't taste good. But what about their eggs? I don't think they lay eggs. Neither do I. Every part of Leviathan is actually delicious. Wusha, I admire you for not having eaten any. Thanks. It uh, didn't quite sit right with me. I don't 
make a habit of eating uh, celestial creatures, you'd have to be pretty mad to try and do something like that. While they do occupy spaces near the stars, calling them celestial would be something inaccurate. You have to understand they are less good or evil and more simply divine. Do you think they're plurals? You know, like like crows. Crows? Well, I mean, don't you think it's weird that you can make a crow angry and suddenly all crows everywhere know who you are? An interesting notion. They must be plural. Possibly. I, I never thought about it like that. But no, no, I don't, I don't think they're plurals. In fact, I don't believe that there are any plurals in this plane. My sister had a name for things that aren't necessarily gods that are extremely old, and she just referred to them as primordial entities. That's a very good word for it. Though I don't think she ever imagined seeing a leviathan. If you do. These are storybooks. So, I believe we have everything dealt with here. She reaches into her pocket of her waistcoat and sets four rings on the table. They are simple gold rings, nothing remarkable, but they seem to exude magical energy. I'll pick up the biggest of them and mash it on whatever drippy finger I can. It's just the skin, like, <laughs> shoves <laughs> off. <laughs> like a glove. As you pick one up, it seems to change size to fit you. Ooh. I'll slip it on my sweet pointer then. What, pray tell, do you look like in your illegal seafaring uniform? <laughs> <laughs> Wusha will become more whole than he usually is. A very tall, broad gentleman with dark tattoos down his shoulders and arms and top of his head right to the hairline. He will definitely have an eye patch. I'm not going to turn down the opportunity to have an eye patch. And just a big, bushy beard. The kind of beard you can have food lost in for days. <laughs> Still the dress. I like it. I almost will pick up one of the rings being like, ah, yes, I see. Very interesting. Very similar to the magic I used on Gaspar recently. Because I believe you still look like a coiled construct. Yeah, I think it works the same way. Unfortunately, I do look like I'm malfunctioning. I don't think I'll be allowed on the whaling vessel. <laughs> yes, there's only so much you can do to disguise that. It would raise suspicion, too, since Gaspar is known to work with Wuxia, and suddenly a headless construct shows up. A bit fishy, as it were. <laughs> Very good. And Iavos will slip the ring onto his finger and use his imagination. While Iavos is usually quite hairless, this figure looks like they probably could belong on a boat. But as kind of the wild guy who hasn't been to port in a long time, big, long, bushy hair and a big beard that hangs down to nearly his navel. And where his robes are usually tastefully farmland tattered, this is like nasty, salty burlap and fishing net tangled up. He looks like a dirty old sea druid, basically. <laughs> um, teeth be yellowed and crooked. <laughs> and his quill staff turns into a large piece of gnarled driftwood. Mm. Yes, I suppose. <clears throat> yes, I suppose that will do. I like it. Pen takes one of the rings and slips it on her finger. As the magical effect asserts itself, you find her replaced by a towering tiefling with bright blue skin, sharp teeth, tattoos, but the same bright golden eyes. She's wearing a corsair coat and a tricorn hat. Fine. Let's uh, go on this quest then. It's probably me, isn't it? 
Gaspar doesn't need the ring because he's not going to be on the ship. Yes, I did mention that. Okay, I pick it up and I put it on. And Hal's skin turns a pale blue, deep black tattoos appear all across his body. And his head loses all of its hair, points into a nose, a maw filled with sharp teeth, and a fin grows off the back of his head (laughs) as he turns into a sort of shark-like triton. (laughs) It's a good thing we're not going to a boat at sea or they'd expect you to breathe underwater. That hadn't occurred to me, but you're probably right. (laughs) Do I I get to pick a new voice? You're you're just Bouchard. You, You don't even... I don't even know why you took the ring. I don't know why I gave you four. They're expecting you, actually. That's normal. Oh, uh, okay. Let me try something out real quick, then. I'm going to take the ring off. You turn right back into your normal self. I'm going to put the ring back on. You turn into an amorphous, non-shaped person. I'm going to focus on the magic, and Wuxia is going to turn back into himself, but with an eye patch. (laughs) (laughs) Such a powerful ring. Are you wearing other clothing, too, or just the eye patch? The dress. Okay, all right. The dress. (laughs) Gotta keep the dress. That is perfect. You might want to change your dress. What's wrong with this? You've served on a ship. A ship is no place for loose clothing, and you know that. Well, you're right, but I was trying to prove a point to Penn. Uh, I suppose it's not worth it anymore. Say it gets caught in the rigging, and suddenly you're thrown overboard. I know how to swim. Not in space. Right, not water. (laughs) (laughs) Musha's then going to take the ring off and put it back on and turn back into himself. In his normal clothes, but with an eye patch. I suppose that works, but I'm telling you now that if the ring stops working and that turns back into a dress, you're going to have to go naked. I ain't opposed to that. (laughs) No, he's not. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think I have reached the limit of my ability to be in this room. I'm going to go to bed. The Astrofortis sets out at false dawn every morning. You have the night to consider how you're going to go about things, and then when you're done... Head out. Does anyone have any preparations to make? Well, I was going to ask what the best thing I can do in one night in a dress is, but suppose that's not terribly relevant now, is it? I mean, there are a lot of good things, but let's keep our mind on the quest. All right. As rain leaves, you realize you have access to literally everything. You don't have limits on your gear. You can carry anything you want that you've ever gotten, uh, including things you didn't get on quests, because this is, frankly, illegal. So... Take some time to create a loadout for yourself that makes sense, and we'll assume that that's what you're carrying when you approach the Astrofortis. A guest parsons will be separated during this. Remember, I grip my hand three times. If you're in danger, three squeezes. Same to you. Pen is going to take this opportunity to use the Gesh of the Moon Dragon. And for the next day, she will not call or wield her packed weapons. Christ. Okay. That, I'd say, is about a 10. That'll give you 10 charges worth of your Gesh of the Moon Dragon. Yes. Let's see how this comes back to bite me. Yeah. Don't forget that if you do, at any point, break that, it will use its charges to hurt you. Oh, yeah. No, I and and that's pretty core to my character class, which is my, my not Hexblade. Okay. So, uh, it'll be fun. Awesome. I am going to provision a rapier. Smart. Very smart. I'm going to provision some citrus. Oh, that scurvy. Just overnight. I always has been working on this for a while, but he's going to finish 
imbuing his uh, Furio tin ingots into the studs of the pleated sheet, just so it is on him. Nice. I like that. Okay. Because it's been waiting to get transmuted for a while. Awesome. Wuxia will make sure his kick axe is nice and tight, <laughs> placed into his leg. He's going to fold up his dress, put it under the couch, and say, Next time, Brunhilde. Next time. <laughs> Perfect. Anybody else? Nothing Hal does is important. <laughs> yeah, Gaspar is just loading up as usual. Awesome. After your preparations, you turn in for the night, ready to rest, preparing yourselves for the adventure tomorrow. Gaspar wakes first. The dawn hasn't even broken, but he's already on his way. When you arrive at the Omega dock with the secret code that they gave you to get in after hours, you see the ship that they have assigned to you. The Miasma is no high-tech spy ship. Instead, something not unlike a small charcoal catamaran. A dual-hull vessel with a single-seat superstructure in the center. There is no solar sail. Instead, the surface of the vessel is coated with a somewhat tacky matte charcoal paint with an iridescent sheen that calls to mind oil on water. The helm has several levers and switches which seem to control various spell charges, and the artificial gravity is tangible, like foil on your fillings as you enter, but quickly resolves. The miasma has unlimited charges of the spell Firebolt. It has unlimited charges of invisibility, self, unlimited charges of gaseous form, self, and has four charges of Fireball DC-13. They actually gave me firepower. I like this mission. <laughs> um, all of these spells have a doubled range for the purposes of assaulting ships at distance. It's got spell sniper. Damn. <laughs> as soon as you enter the vehicle and actually turn it on, you realize it has some serious zip. Uh, it takes a moment to get used to it after all the vehicles you've been driving. I'd like you to go ahead and roll for me a general intelligence check. And I will also want a general, let's say dexterity check. And dexterity. For an intelligence check, that is an 18. Nice. For a dexterity check, 22. Jesus. It takes you a few seconds to realize, okay, this button does this. This is pitch. Yeah. Okay. It all makes sense. And yeah, while it is a little unnerving to move in something that's this quick, it starts to feel much more comfortable once you've moved around a little bit. As you start to exit, you're prompted for a docking code. You give the one you were provided and are given free reign to fly about Zenith as long as you follow the appropriate transit routes. Do you have anything you would like to do or would you simply like to go to the Etherport and wait for your crew? Gaspar will play with the runes, press several buttons and levers, and have the miasma and himself turn invisible. He leaves Doc and heads towards the Astra Fortis to get some early reconnaissance. I like it. The dry docks of Zenith have become a familiar sight to all of you. Inevitable in a place such as this. However, only one of you has had cause to go to the Aether ports. There are four Aether ports, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, and Delta, evenly spaced in that order around the outer ring of Zenith. These ports allow for transit to and from the Aether, which separates the planes. In addition to ring gates large enough to allow for entire ships to pass, these intended for those who cannot be bothered with the months-long journeys to error, given how far error is from all the rest of the cosmos. As you enter the port, every sense is assaulted. Thousands of bodies make their way in varying states of hurry to ships of all sizes and shapes. 
freighters, frigates, cruisers, and schooners, all berthed in tight enough formation to give pause to all but the deftest of pilots. But scattered throughout this standard fare are ships, if they can indeed be called that, who defy understanding of transport vessels. A colossal beast, not unlike a turtle, whose shell has been worked and repurposed to act as some manner of cargo bay. Its superstructure mounted atop with cannons bolted around its rim. Its crew, testudine themselves as well, with thick hides and decorated shells, mill about below their living ship, awaiting some signal to, perhaps not spring into action, but certainly take their time about it. A house, perhaps manse, would be more appropriate. Each room visible from without seems to have been built in increment, new cells tacked onto the outer layer with little concern for engineering or safety procedures for that matter. It is no wonder what mechanism drives this less-than-aerodynamic vessel, for protruding from either side of both the base and midpoint of the manse are vast, white, feathered wings. They furl and unfurl as you watch with rapt attention and eventually seem to stretch and shiver before coming to a rest, wrapped around the vessel as though swaddling itself for sleep. A goblin dirigible mounted at the rear with a gargantuan engine of no clear origin, a rowing longboat whose oars can be seen with tentacles wrapped around them and eyes peering from inside their holes, a mountain of literal junk propelled by foul gases with no clear structure or mechanism. All of these and more are taken as commonplace by the laborers, sailors, traders, and thieves that troll the aether ports of Zenith. You now among them. Astrum and Ethereum. The abstract metaparticles of the material plane are commonly understood to be fire, water, earth, and air. Yet in further development of the sciences, this is proven to be false. The periodic table of elements and the examination of the atom tells us these are fairy tales. And yet, one need only study arcana to realize the truth of this fiction. Does the universe deceive us? Is science an illusion? What of gravity? Magnetism? Are these simply magics to be hand-waved as the works of some greater cosmic entity to effect a semblance of logic and reason? No, in fact. As a man who has dedicated his life to marrying the worlds of physics and metaphysics, I believe I have begun to finally scratch the surface of the barrier which separates the known from the unknown. My intent is not to gainsay the works of the figurative giants that have come before me, rather to weave together, in what limited manner this crude matter permits, the greatest notions of both our mystics and our scientists. To begin, one must understand the nature of thought. For in the end, as I am sure, dear reader, you will agree, all things begin in thought. For what is thought? A processing of data? A spontaneous interpretation of stimuli? A collection of chemical reactions reconciled into language? The rhythmic shifting of the soul? Restless in its corporeal shackles? Thought could be said by many to be the first stirring of will of intention, the primordial soup from which the first single cellular action began to take shape. From this, then, one could conclude that without thought, without those emotions, words and base drives, no great works, mine included, could come to be. For if to think is to be, and vice versa, then the first words of all mythologies in pan and monotheistic scriptures are, in fact, the seed of my hypothesis. In the beginning, there was nothing, and oh, my friends, if to be is to think, and to think is to act, one must only look upon this world, and all those infinite worlds that surround it, to know the thoughts of the void.
we're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On Mayday, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to Mayday wherever you get your podcasts. Ever since I got out of the dungeons, I've wanted to redeem myself. Joining the City Watch took hard work, commitment. When you have a past like mine, it's easy to stand out, but hard to rise above. Busting the heads of criminals is pretty therapeutic. Cleaning up these crime-filled streets helps me sleep at night. That is until I learned how deep the corruption really ran. He's a chaotic good cop in a lawful evil world. Half human, half orc, all justice. Mean Streets with Brickjaw McStrong. Tuesdays on the Nexus Enterprise. Hail you cuties. Midroll. I haven't heard that name in a very long time. Welcome back to the LUQ. We didn't go anywhere, but we still missed you. We hope you're thrilled to get to jump back into the Battle Axis story, and we hope our brief vacation of the Undermile left you feeling refreshed and rewarded. The LUQ wouldn't be what it is without the players, so to learn more about our great cast, visit theluq.com and see the cast pages with links to everyone's information. While you're there, check out a bunch of the behind-the-scenes photos from Season 1 and links to all of our social media. Believe it or not, there's still a few LUQ enamel pins left in the shop, so just a few sales will bring that entire project to a close. Thank you very much if you've purchased one thus far, and if you haven't, you still have a tiny bit of time. To support LUQ directly, check out the tons and tons of rewards available for you and your home game of D&D on our Patreon. We just uploaded a bunch of new maps from Golden Stylus and all of the art and info from Undermile. There are still form-fillable LUQ character sheets that you can download, and in the highest tiers, you can make characters to join the Battle Axis or be mentioned in the mid-roll. Our current legendary mid-roll teams are the Twilight Concord, the Forgotten Legacy, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Titans Rise, with Roughneck, Evelet, Roman, a.k.a. Big Boy Roy, and Christopher Mashburn. To get a personal message read on the show or possible advertising opportunities, reach out to admin at slapdashstudios.com. Follow us on Twitch at Slapdash Streams for Monday night live premieres of the LUQ with Mistress Dana RPG and Pokemon Nuzlocke Challenge Runs with me and Zach on Thursday night. They may be moving back to Wednesday sometime in the near future, but we'll be sure to let you know. Thanks for everything, cuties. But that's enough out of me. Let's get you back to the Battle Axe. When it comes to personal hygiene in the bathroom, you've always been able to count on the toilet paper night to watch your backside and keep you feeling clean. No other brand cleanses crevices with the power of knighthood like TPK. But sometimes you're far from home. Heroes, rangers, runaways, and escaped convicts can spend a large portion of their time on the road, traveling near and far, and living off the land. Well, after days and days of sucking back boiled foliage and burnt weasel meat, you too may find yourself squatting stoically over a bramble bush, just wishing you had the cleaning might of TPK at your side. And now, you can. Introducing TPK Party Wipes. 
Sealed packs of moisturized sanitary sheets infused with refreshing alchemy to blast away your hiker's dingleberries and musky trail crack. These magical napkins will prestidigitate your posterior back to polished perfection. And they're powerful. Just one sheet is enough for an entire party of four to six to buff their bunguses. Don't let the hard road befoul your backstage business. Now you've got a knight on your side. TPK, the toilet paper knight. Ask your local swab monger about party wipes today. While the Astrofortis by no means lacks for magnificence, in face of the literal flying carpet the size of a whale or the sentient slime that hovers by means unknown, you're left somewhat underwhelmed. This massive three-mast galleon rests upon three full docking rings. Finely tended oak and cedar were bent to the will of the shipwright to craft this luxurious and industrious vessel. The sails, a shimmering dark burgundy, are furled, seeming to tremble against their restraints in anticipation of flight. The figurehead depicts a feminine gif, demure in layers of muslin, carved and painted so finely as to give the illusion of rustling in the wind. Along the side is painted the name Astrofortis, and across the stern, a placard bears the phrase Per Angusta ad Augusta, meaning through difficulties to honors. The crew is a hodgepodge of strangers of all races, though Gif, a race whose features resemble the hippopotamus, seem to be prominently featured. One such creature in fine dress approaches you. This Gif is unmistakably the captain. His maroon flesh is puckered and torn in places where long-fought battles have left their mark. One such tear on his upper lip bears a single sharpened tusk. Two bloodshot yellow eyes scan you with apprehension before softening to a warm, bright glow. He extends one massive, meaty, yet surprisingly gentle hand to Wuxia. And as you clasp it, you catch a strong whiff of sandalwood and stale sweat. His palms are damp, though whether this is sweat or simply water, you're uncertain. He's stuffed into a high-collared mustard frock coat with a matching waistcoat. The frock is adorned with countless medals, from battles which no doubt earned him his scars. However, below each one is a hand-embroidered tag which acknowledges some fault or failing. Cowardice, cruelty, avarice, gluttony. Of most note, however, is the weapon at his hip. It is a strange thing, like a crossbow with no bow. Some of you recognize it as a firearm. A weapon which has grown in popularity among Aethernauts, though has been banned for use by the Adventurer's Guild. His seems to be of rather high caliber, and carved into the wood of the handle, is a scene of battle at sea. I'll clasp his hand when wet object meets wet object. You hear a loud, thick squelching. Oh, yeah, we knew. A little water dribbles out like you're squeezing a sponge. That's <laughs> what <laughs> stirring mac and cheese. <laughs> That's what good pirate sounds like. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> a lot of uncomfortable faces at the table right now. I hate that. <laughs> I'm going to shake his hand. Captain, it's an honor to be back. I'm going to lean in real close and lift my eye patch up and say, it's Wusha. Put it back down. <laughs> <laughs> my gods, man, I couldn't have told. Oh, thank you for showing me. I would have been lost. Not knowing who these random strangers were getting on my boat. And who are they? Well, these are the rest of my well, current crew. We've been, uh, Boating with them uh, for a, a while now, and they are uh, they're a crew, and they're with me. 
Does he speak for the lot of you? Sometimes he does. I, that be true. And you are? Taggart Banderwagon. <laughs> a fine name if ever I've had one. And what do you do? Bit of a magician of the seas. I hears the waves, they sings to me, and I makes the magic. Yeah, the luck of one, that's for sure. And you? Points to Pen. You can just call me Horns. Horns? Not Horns Mackenzie or Horns McLeod, just, just Horns. You can pick either of those if you would like. All right, Horns McLeod. And who's this fishy fella? Hal's eyes go wide like it hadn't occurred to him that he was going to get asked this question. <laughs> and he goes, I'm a, a Tungaroa. Tungaroa? Yep, that's me. Was that Celestial? Yep. Interesting. I'm named after, uh, my mom was real religious. I see. Well, welcome aboard the Astrofortis. It's nice to be back. She sure is. Wish I'd tears up a little bit. She sure is a, a thing of beauty. <laughs> it is a rather beautiful ship. Despite the fact that it lacks the absurdity of the other ships around, it is very well designed. He gestures you onto the boat and follows after. He begins spouting names of people, some of which you don't really care about, but others seem to stand out particularly well. Uh, he points to a murky, brackish water genasi and calls him Bilge Walter. He gestures, <laughs> <laughs> he gestures to a rooster aracocra named Cockerel Cox. There is also Ham and Cheese Pete, a cleanly shaven <laughs> dwarf with blonde hair. <laughs> orange Julius, an orange-skinned elf of unknown origin with curly red hair himself, the Whip and Crack Twins, a gnome and halfling that look very similar but are very obviously not related. <laughs> Hard Sock, a pudgy, heavy gut gif with a gray skin and a heavily crusted pants. Uh, Tickle Tim, mm. a young man of no more than 18 with an overenthusiastic smile and a penchant for prolonged eye contact. Phineas Mandragore Wilkinson, who is apparently, at least at first glance, a jar of fluid. Creamy Dave, an orc with the color of buttermilk, and Poop Dick, a surly-looking human with no hair over his entire body. Got him. <laughs> Poop. Poop Dick. <laughs> oh, God. I love you, Ham and Cheese Pete. <laughs> ham and Cheese Pete is the winner for me, too. <laughs> you need to throw Hard Sock off. Dude. I was going to say, Hard Sock made me kind of very uncomfortable. <laughs> I thought that was going to be the worst Just as one. words next to each other go. <laughs> and the, specifically describing the becrustedness of his pants. <laughs> yeah, no. It did not improve it. I love the idea of somebody's character feature being crusty pants. <laughs> Some people are, you know, talkative. Other people are secretive. This guy is Krusty Pants. <laughs> and the only reason his nickname isn't Krusty Pants is because Hard Sock <laughs> is so set in stone. That's the first time they noticed the crust was in a sock. If they had given it a week, they would have had a better name for it. It started no! in his socks and spread. <laughs> Heat rises. There's no water. <laughs> Look, he's really messy when he eats his porridge, okay? Just relax. Oh, okay. <laughs> With his ankles. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I eat my porridge with my ankle. <laughs> oh, I dive into my food foot first. I climb in my porridge like everyone else, one leg at a time. <laughs> we got some stuff left to do. Plenty, in fact. We got to empty the vessel. We uh, hit a salvage before we came. We got to mount the cannons, ready all decks for a departure. We also have to hoist the sails and start loading the residuum burners. 
Gotta set that course as well. If you'd like to help with any of that, please do. Well, I'm good at hoisting sails and moving cannons. We can certainly handle that. Um, he sticks a thumb down towards the lower decks. Get on in. It's been a while since I've been on a true boat boat. You'll have to give me a little direction. The last vessel I was aboard was kind of a sentient skin raft. <laughs> it wiggled its way on its own. It didn't have to do much. He just had to tickle it. <laughs> it's powered by love. <laughs> uh, same. Whatever you like to do. You'll probably find your stride as you get more used to being on the ship. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I know I'm a captain, but that's not quite my deal. (laughs) Very hands-off, Captain. (laughs) He gestures, and then he starts heading towards his own cabin. You are all allowed to do whatever you want on the ship to help them get things moving along. I will give you a skill as appropriate for the thing you're trying to do, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Hal is going to know that not knowing much about sailing, but I'm a strong boy. (laughs) I could probably make myself useful moving boxes of cargo around. That's hard to fuck up. That's absolutely fair. Yeah. <laughs> you see Tickle Tim and Hard Sock just kind of poking around at the objects, not quite sure what exactly they're supposed to be doing. They're trying to read the labels, but they don't seem to be capable of reading. And when they open up the crates, they just have no idea what's inside. They don't know where they're supposed to go, and they don't know what they're supposed to do. And you seem like a clever enough man. Tickle Tim perks up. Hey there, friend. How's it going? You're looking mm, ready to rip. Uh, yep. Riptide. It's me. It's my nickname. I'm going to hold you to that. (laughs) Bet. Poggers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so upset. I'm going to get poop dick. (laughs) I mean, by by process of elimination. Poop dick is is better than hard sock. (laughs) Hard sock looks at you. <laughs> I, I, can, no! I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, sir. Could you give me a hand? I'm so crusty and confused. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think maybe we had a song to work to. We can do just fine, but we just got no we got nothing. We had no we're doing. Uh I mean like what I uh I know a couple of songs. Uh, I will warn you, they're not um, particularly upbeat, but... uh, This is slow work. Well, all right. Uh, This is one that they sing back where my mum's from. My mother told me someday I would rise, take my place in line. Fighting for all time. Grip your spear and shield against the charging horde. Endless foes to the slaughter. Blood runs like water. Blood runs like water. My mother told me someday I would rise. Take my place in the line, fighting for all time. Grip your spear and shield against the charging horde. 
Endless foes to the slaughter. Blood runs like water. Blood runs like water. A classic. Hell yeah. That was great. Yeah. You nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. God, I just feel like I'm going to cry now. But it was real good. Yes. I loved it. Go ahead and give me a performance check. Would you say you tickled? <laughs> give, me, give me a performance check. How's actually proficient in performance? Mm-hmm. 15 on the die plus 5 is total of 20. Very nice. They are, they are both moved to tears, and through those tears, they manage to sort through what they're supposed to be doing, keep track of all the gear, and get it into the right hands. The bosun comes through later and gives you a pat on the back and a big thumbs up, which is impressive given the fact that he seems to have five thumbs in a circle on his <laughs> odd-shaped hand. What was his name? He doesn't have a name, oh, okay. as far as you know. Based on the rest of the crew, you could just assume it's like gross piece of shit yeah. Tom. Right. <laughs> this is this is butt cancer William. Yeah. <laughs> Wusha. Oh boy. When you come down to the cannons and you see that the men are just lackluster, basically just lazing around. You see them try to push the cannons back so that they can bolt them down, but they just don't seem to have the gusto or the energy to get anything going. No juice. No juice to speak of at all. Where's your juice, lads? Who stole your juice? They're juicing. <laughs> They're juicing. <laughs> I didn't expect to come down to a bunch of leathery fruit. Cockerel cocks pokes their head up. The fact is, the fact is, we've been doing our best down here, but uh, I just don't got any kind of energy going on. Uh, if, if you were to bake me, I'd be the least juicy pie you ever had. That's the shortest callback of all time. It's going to say you should tell Belinda. Bilge Walter, I just feel like I've been sitting at the bottom of a puddle for the last several days. I just got nothing left in me. Well, you think I got something that can get your arts pumping, your juice flowing, and your your juice loose? <laughs> I've got lots of juice. Juicier the better. We're going to be some wet lads after this. Oh, Bilge Walter. <laughs> <laughs> Wusha is going to start. He's going to take one of the, um, oh, fuck, what are they called? The big pushy things. What put the cannonball in the cannon? I cannot remember what those are called. I think you found exactly what he thinks they're called. Oh, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to start like thumping it on the ground, getting the rhythm for a song going. Even roll, boys, even roll. Even roll, boys, even roll. See the storm, boys, see the storm. You see the storm, boys, see the storm. She sleeps below, boys, sleeps below. She sleeps below, boys, sleeps below. Pay your tolls, boy, pay your toll. Pay your toll, boys, pay your toll. Even roll, boys, see the storm. She sleeps below, boys, pay your toll. Stay the course, boys, stay the course. So stay the course, boys, stay the course. Uh, bells been rung, boys, bells been rung. Uh, bells been rung, boys, bells been rung. The catch given 
spout boys catch given spout the catch given spout boys catch given spout find your arms boys find your arms oh find your arms boys find your arms Stay the course, boys, bells been rung. The catch-given spout, boys, find your arms. Your blood's on the deck, boys, blood's on the deck. Your blood's on the deck, boys, blood's on the deck. Some ain't coming home, boys, ain't coming home. Some ain't coming home, boys, ain't coming home. You've writ down their names, boys, writ their names. You've writ down their names, boys, writ their names. The purse now is full, boys, purse now is full. The purse now is full, boys, purse now is full. Your blood's on the deck, boys, ain't coming home. You've writ down their names, boys, purse now is full. That was so good. Thank loved you. that. Five I claps. loved that. Thank you. I am very pleased. I was worried it was going to be a little too repetitive, but I'm no, I, I loved it. Why well, sea shanties are usually repetitive? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 idea. By definition, usually. <laughs> Thank you. Cockerel Cox lets out a thunderous crow, uh, as though the dawn has just come and he is ready to work, and the masses of water that seem to make up the Genasi seem to almost ripple with your own voice. And they just immediately go to work. But go ahead and give me a quick athletics check and see how well you do. You got it. Herc. Let's see. I've got a 13 total. Not great, but not amazing. You were so nervous starting to sing that you almost thought you were going to fucking die. The nerves are still causing your hands to shake as you finish. And you're like, I can do this. (laughs) But more importantly... You were almost moved to tears by the beauty of your own song, which is not uncommon. Penn is going to generally look for people that need help doing whatever they're doing since everyone else has walked off in different directions. You're standing on the top deck and you realize that they actually do need to hoist sails and get the ship actually moving. The first thing you notice is that uh, Whip and Crack Twins, who are definitely not built to be handling the rigging for a ship of this size, are doing their absolute best, but they fall in totally and completely out of rhythm with each other. When one's hoisting, the other one's unhoisting. <laughs> and they just keep flying around and doing a bunch of dumb crap. What are you doing, buddy? Come on, you're killing me over here. Look, I'm doing my best. Can you just give me a break for like five goddamn minutes? Okay? I know that we're not brothers, but you can at least treat me like one. No, I just can't do this. I gotta know what I'm supposed to do. Nobody's telling me what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I didn't know we had Roger Rabbit on crew, goddamn. <laughs> I say this is kind of a shitty crew. I love them. I love them so much. They're very good, but they're just not great at their jobs. <laughs> they're just themed with wuxia. They're just a bunch of temps. Yes! Penn stands there for a few moments with all this arguing. Having just faintly heard three songs from other parts of the ship filter through, she sighs. I'm afraid I don't have much musical talent. Through the last of it in a stew, if I recall correctly. But I lost someone recently, in a way. And she was working on something. 
It's only half finished, but maybe I can finish it someday. Sometimes to move forward our old selves must rot. No matter how much it brings pain to your heart, the broken can scream and still make not a sound. We'll nurture the kingdom but follow the crown. They say that the days of new legends have passed, when heroes still gave so much more than was asked. But don't look behind you, it'll just weigh you down. We'll nurture the kingdom, but follow the crown. Be steady your legs, lest they buckle and give. Sometimes to make peace we ourselves must forgive. So don't fear the waves, cause you've already drowned. We'll nurture the kingdom, but follow the crown. The world is suffering and there's no cure. Sometimes we bleed stones just so we can endure. And dream of a day when we're free and unbound. We'll nurture the kingdom, but follow the crown. No family riches or love from our youth Can return what was lost or appeal our truth So we'll lay the foundation and build a new home We'll nurture the kingdom but follow the crown We toil and we labor to see what's revealed For fools prize the harvest much more than the field. To exhume the past and sow seeds in the ground. We'll nurture the kingdom but follow the crown. We'll nurture the kingdom but follow the crown. We'll nurture the kingdom but follow, follow the crown. Mm. Ah, damn. How fucking yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Thank you. When you finish your song, you realize that your crew, your crew, are all watching. I would like you to roll me a persuasion check to try and get these idiots to do their jobs. (laughs) (laughs) That's a face. That's a four, which makes it 11. Your personal terror of the idea of your first real song since changing into your new self has overcome your ability to perform as well as you would like. But nevertheless, they do do their jobs, but all of them seem to be pensive and thoughtful rather than motivated and inspired. If there's residuum engines, I will try to help with that using knowledge of magic. I like it. You make your way down below decks, past Wuxia, who is getting ready to load cannons and get everything battened down. And in the rear of the ship, you do find the residuum engine. However, there are several carts of residuum, and none of them have been loaded. There are two men, who you recognize as Orange Julius and Ham and Cheese Pete, who are getting ready to load things up. The lunch squad. (laughs) Exactly. Orange Julius looks kind of perturbed at his task and says... 
I just don't know what to do. Without a song, I just got nothing. Uh, hey, you new, can you give us a song? I'm used to all these ones. A song, you say? Yeah, something like a shanty. We can also totally do fine with, like, um, I don't know, if you know, like, any work songs. I suppose I have a song that my brother taught me. It's a bit of a body tune, but it's charming nonetheless. Lay it on me. They both grab a set of shovels, open up the burner, and seem to just be eagerly waiting for you to start singing, as though they are incapable of moving without it. I was expecting an arcana check, not a performance check. Here we go. (laughs) I've traveled far down many roads, a-dreaming of my home. The distant nights can feel quite cold when you bed down alone. The girls back home, they can't be beat. I speak to you, no lies. But the single treat that fills my dreams is Belinda's chicken pies. Bake the lard, Belinda, and leave one on the sill. For I'll be home this very night, you are my true love still. With bodice low and skirts up high, you're sure to win a man. A smile like summer, hair like spring, you know I am a fan. I've warmed the beds of many maids and gazed into their eyes. But the love that brings my feet back home is Belinda's chicken pies. Bake the lard, Belinda, and leave one on the sill. For I'll be home when the sun goes down, you are my true love still. I do not dream of marriage or a bride to call my own. My heart's as free as waves at sea, now I am fully grown. I've tasted kisses sweet as jam and tasted milky thighs. But the only taste my lips still crave is Belinda's chicken pies. Bake the lard, Belinda, and leave one on the sill. For I'll be home when tomorrow comes. You are my true love still. <laughs> God, that's good. Jesus. Oh. As soon as you start, there just seems to be an overwhelming thrill that just fills their hearts. And they just start loading perfectly in time to your song. And you yourself have to repeatedly stop them. Keep them in the right track and make sure that they aren't about to cause the entire place to explode from overloading the engine. Right. They're lighting the grill with a tank of gas here. Exactly. Go ahead and roll me an arcana check to make sure that you can keep the levels accurate and not at risk of explosion. And I sneak a quiet guidance to myself. 22. That is more than enough. The guidance simply comes from the verses of your own song and you're inspired by your own actions. Look at me. I'm a bard. As you begin to finish, you hear Harcourt calling from above. God's. Damn, she's humming pretty. <laughs> well done. Also, the engine sounds good, too. <laughs> As the mainsail is hoisted, the residual burners kick on, and the ship begins to lift. The upward thrust carries it high above the aether port and forward towards the borders of Zenith. But, trailing behind, out of sight and out of mind, is Gaspar in the miasma. Realizing that he must cross through the detection threshold of Zenith, he has to turn off his active systems and move to Ors. Trailing close behind the Astrofortis, Gaspar catches a few notes of the Fallow Crown's song. They get to sing all the fun songs. Well, if I want to stay undetected, I better get rowing. Hmm... 
The only song I know usually involves much more people. I guess I'll have to play multiple parts. As he rose in three quick bursts, followed by one long stride, it just gets easier. So keep going. It just gets easier to keep rowing. It just gets easier. Just don't stop. It just gets easier. We can't drop. It just gets easier. We go rus. It just gets easier. Te. Nay, shus. It just gets easier. Wind keeps blowing. It just gets easier. We ain't slowing. It just gets easier. Don't dismay. It just gets easier with each day. It just gets easier. Don't break form. It just gets easier. Ride the storm. It just gets easier with your friends. It just gets easier to make ends. It just gets easier. Less you know, it just gets easier to let go. God damn, that is fucking harrowing. <laughs> Such a good duel to end so on. That was so intense. Oh, beautiful, absolute fucking claps. For a plus. Oh, we're all nervous. We're not going to do good songs. Everyone did great job. <laughs> As the crew begins its long journey, they start a slow beat. The beat carries into a melody, and the whole crew sings in unison. We said farewell to the landlocked hell of the lost city of Gover. Our backbone legs are treasure and eggs from the nest of Mulmardoon. For fifteen days we made our way, and the journey was nearly over. Where shall we fall, our treasure and all the spell are coming doom? Oh, the feathers did fly and the men did die as the crew made preparations to take to the air and fight her fair, for we be brave and bold. Oh, we set sail o'er hill and dale to escape our devastation. Yet as we climb, the engines wind at a rate of eggs and gold. Our solar sails with black as pitch as we locked our guns on the old sky bitch, but the captain made us not attack our foe. He made his plot with not a shot to bring Mardoon down low. For half our share be more than fair and shall not fight over coinage. So he made the call and we set to haul the eggs all overboard. She took the bait and drove down straight as we searched our hull and steerage For every child that drove her wild as we hoped to keep her hoard 
We dropped our last and spared our mass from the Golmar Dunes' unending wrath and we climbed the cosmos treasure in our hold. But a screech from the beach did soil our sheets. For the captain kept just one last egg to hold. I don't believe it. I can't believe it. Luna Shadowpaw's Dance Tenebra absolutely crushed Splish's Ark of the Magpie. This has changed the game, folks. Never in all my minutes have I witnessed such an upset. Dirk, you need to chill. You're a newscaster watching a dancer, not a drunken father at a softball game. How can you stay calm? I'm gonna need to stop by the seat store, because I've spent the entire evening on the edge of mine and I damn near worn a groove. Speaking of Groove, the penultimate matchup between Metal and Mana's own Talitha Al-Saline and the Gutter Snipe's own Valgnar Ugumnoff is fast approaching. Will the Artificer Rogue's mechanical duet steal our hearts and imaginations? Will the Dragonborn Sorcerer breathe life into his dance of the Fallen Tsars? There's only one way to find out. You know, Dirk, even though watching you work is like drinking vinegar on a hot day, I have to say your job performance has drastically improved. I don't know what it is. The juices are flowing, both literally and figuratively. And suddenly all this news reportery actually seems fun. There's only one problem. What's that, Dirk? Well, when I get home, I've still got my work zest, but late into the evening, I begin to feel like a sack of soft taters, complete with steak. That's just the way your new apartment smells, Dirk. I keep telling you it's not composting if you just leave it in a bag in your house. Yeah? Well, how come mushrooms are growing on it? Answer me that, science. You were saying? Well, after a couple of hours alone, I get so sad I cry lunch half my pantry away, and then spend the rest of the night watching food decompose. Which, admittedly, is better than watching rats doink, but not by much. Have you considered, oh, I don't know, making some friends? Russ, given how my last five friendships have worked out, do you really think that's a good idea? Fair point. You know, talking about this on Live Scry has me feeling a lot better. I think tonight I'm going to hit the club. That's the spirit. And this time, when they say I'm not on the list, I'll just start a dance party in the street. That's an option. And when the guard comes, I'll challenge him to a dance-off. That's probably a felony. Oh, the show's about to start. I better take footnotes and leg notes. Can't forget rump notes. Rusty, how do you spell bodacious loins? Ugh. clap right in the mic that'll sound like shit <laughs> sam would just be so confused because just oh, what is this clicking type sound <laughs> furious clicking what did they do zach has finally lost his shit <laughs> are we in outro now you know we are hey god Ooh, damn that was gorgeous that was fun is that uh, the first luq musical episode that is the first luq musical episode that doesn't yeah. count as a musical it absolutely it's almost a musical, a musical. it's a precursor to the <laughs> musical episode exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I felt, I feel bad about the idea of y'all singing to me, not like me having, like tapping into the law resources to have <laughs> my, have my song done. Digging deep into the law bank. I actually wrote that song literally while I was driving home from work and I was like, oh, <laughs> these are good lyrics. I'm going to go ahead and keep those down. <laughs> Hell yeah. That was sick. What do we, what do we do in the outro? It's what been like two months since we recorded. What do we do with these drunken sailors? What?
Hi, everybody. We usually do like play of the game type stuff. Uh, favorite moment, I guess, is the thing. So. That's a hard pick because all these hard. songs were so good. Oh, I'll go first. Yeah. My favorite part was not having to deal with poop dick. <laughs> <laughs> Where's poop dick? <laughs> Oh God, who's who's MVP this episode? There were so the many. MVP, we, I think you weren't here for that, but MVP is only for combat episodes now. Oh, okay. oh yeah, we okay. do favorite just, moments. Yeah. For, favorite moments. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, MVP and play of the game for combat. Got I'm it. so excited to learn more poop dick deep lore. Like, let's, let's not talk hit. about how deep poop dick gets. I'm willing to plumb. He those earned holes. his name somehow. <laughs> uh, his name is Richard. Uh-huh. He swabs the poop deck. Sure. That's why they call him Poop Dick. All right. He is the right. only person who doesn't have something relatively interesting about oh, his thank personal name. No, there's a deeper lore there. There's <laughs> like, I was just thinking, like, you can find Poop Dick's backstory on the Patreon. <laughs> no. We exactly. have a graphic novel coming out. <laughs> <laughs> the origin of Poop Dick. Poop it's Dick only origins. in print, and we're leaving it out <laughs> somewhere on the road. <laughs> the Poop Dick Trilogy. <laughs> Poop Dick, colon, that's it. <laughs> just the word Don't colon. Don't my poop dick. <laughs> but yeah, I think just the the general vibe, names, and shittiness of the crew is, is one of my so favorite good. moments. Just the menagerie of dipshits. So good. I always enjoy when you do that. But this one, there was a point and then it just started getting worse. And I was like, how, how deep does this go? <laughs> Real deep, turns out. I, yeah. I so honestly hate all of them. It's beautiful. I left out two because I didn't think they were terribly interesting. They were Grey Goat, who is a goat man with silver coat. And then there is Mark, who is a giant purple dragonborn with uh, wings that have not yet formed but are pushing slowly out of his back. <laughs> but more importantly, he looks like he has eels writhing over, under his skin. Oh, I love Mark. He's also Mark. the only person with a normal name. <laughs> oh, I love Mark. <laughs> nice. My highlight, which you probably can't see but maybe also experienced at home, was... The mentioning of the ships mm. and when the floating heap of trash propelled by gas uh, was mentioned, there there were most, I don't want to say all of us that did like a little nod going like same yep. <laughs> and, and law verbalized it for us. Right. <laughs> Relatable. So, you know, if you identified with that at home, too. You're part of the highlight. You're Unity. not alone. Unity. <laughs> we need to make a meme that's like, tag yourself. I'm Tickle Tim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wait, my you gosh. Can do a, what is that? Like a TikTok filter? Which, which shitty crew member are you? <laughs> what your favorite crew member means about you. <laughs> Hal, you got one? Uh, favorite moment? I think my favorite moment was... Wusha and the uh, keg of water in the bar just <laughs> making himself appear cleaner by dirtying everything That's else. Fair. That's fair. Yeah, and and the uh, thundering cloud just watching <laughs> us destroy his establishment. Wusha's got one move and he's real good at it. It's being wet. <laughs> Dampen. <laughs> Look, you, you have sodden boy. You have two wands of prestidigitation, right? One for the back of the house, one for front of house. <laughs> yeah. And it's easy to clean up those kind of messes. It's just, it's... Did you have something, Max? I thought you were talking about a person. <laughs> Front of the house, back of the house. If you know what I, mean. <laughs> I mean, same applies. Was he, was he not? <laughs> I, I don't know if this is a fucking cop-out, but I love how fucking hard everyone brought it on their you songs. You cop-out. Yeah, like, I was going to say the boat thing, but then you said the boat thing. But also, I fucking love... The clear, like, effort and thought and and 
practice that went into the songs uh, and it fucking fit and they were all distinctly different. It's really easy with sea shanties to have them all kind of sound this fucking same. Mm. And they're all very personal to the characters too, exactly. which is cool. Well, yeah. The only cop out was me because I parodied one instead of writing an original. Yeah, you just, you just word replaced. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, <laughs> whatever. It that still works came for out. how though. Yeah, it came out really well. As soon as you said my cool. mother, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> no, it was and, great. I'm glad that you, I'm really happy that you said that because that's, I led from character for this one because yeah. I originally wrote kind of a different one about a sea monster. And then I thought, well, what would Penn do? And I'm like, well, Penn doesn't write songs, but maybe, um, I actually was working on that song as Penny. I do love yeah. that. Uh, even though rain was specifically like, don't let on that you're the fallow crown. That could be really, really bad for everybody. <laughs> and then this mysterious person that Wusha brought and Wusha is definitely on the fallow crown saying about the fallow crown. And it's like, Hmm, that's a little hard to disguise. Well, to be fair, based on the general caliber of this crew, it's probably going to go over their heads. Fair enough. And you could be a big fan of a team. Yeah, 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 fair. I have a jersey back on shore. Don't worry about it. Thank you again for listening to this episode. Thank you, Sam, for editing this episode. Bree didn't do any maps for us this time, but she did do some symbols that I will be using later. Uh, They are the... well, let's, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. No spoilers. We'll figure it out as we get to it. They're, so they're not the musical kind of symbols. Correct. Okay. Uh, <laughs> she handcrafted some brass <laughs> symbols. <laughs> Would have been great if during one of the songs she'd just come in. It's going to be a great episode. I'm just excited. I love you all. You heard everything you need to hear in the mid mid roll. And more. And more. You've heard everything you need to hear in the mid roll, so we don't need to go over that now. Thank you so much for being here, and until next time, we wish you luck. The ship has been gliding evenly, smoothly for some time now, through the black, the starless sky. As the crew winds down and begins to relax, you can all hear Harcourt, his less-than-stellar voice, picks up into an old song. Onward I march to Jericho Hill, my gun upon my breast. For on that rise my blood I must spill, till then I shall not rest. And though I know I shall not win, I'll summon all my will. And for my love and all of my kin, I'll die on Jericho Hill.'